0: Hey, this is Brent Jensen, and you're listening to No Sleep Till Subway, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate. And we are here with a very good friend of mine, <laughs> favorite on-air personality, oh, actually in the GTA, as a matter of fact. Uh, when I asked him how he wanted to be introed, his reply was, I'm going to leave that up to you. I just kicked your beer over there.
1: Thank goodness I didn't open it.
0: But first and <laughs> foremost, you're my friend and little brother, and so... That's the important thing. We're going to go with that. Here he is, uh, my friend and brother from another mother. Yeah. Mr. Lee Eckley.
1: Great to be here, man.
0: How are you? Yeah, really good. Yeah, toast. Cheers. Cheers, bro. Yeah. All right. So you have prepared uh, an excellent list of songs for me here. I'm very impressed by this.
1: Okay. Yeah. It's hard to see the forest through the trees when you're doing something like this. It is. I know. Yeah. Because I've never done anything like this before. And you say, well, pick some songs and we're going to do this. And I've never done this before. Yeah. So, how long did this take you? Did you did you you know take a couple of days
0: or was it about fifteen minutes? <laughs> I talk to people and they're like, "Oh my god, I don't know where to start, and I don't want to forget you know this
1: or that or whatever." But it only took you fifteen minutes. Of course, it only took you fifteen. Minutes. Well, you know, and and because the the parameters had a limit, yeah. it was seven or eight songs. Yes. and so it's like, okay, I didn't want to be obvious. Yeah. So I, I went to some stuff that I really like, yep. and then when I got stuck after five tunes, I just went to my collection and went, oh, boom, 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 Perfect. and just found a couple more. So this is the
0: music that makes your skin vibrate. Yeah, yeah, love it. Yeah, okay, this is a great list.
1: Okay, so uh, listeners, I we'll encourage see. you. <laughs>
0: we'll see. <laughs> All
1: right, so well, let's get started. So,
0: uh, Big Star, thirteen is the first
1: tune. Yeah. Oh, oh, we're gonna do Big Star first. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Big Star. The greatest band that never made it Yes, uh, from Memphis, Tennessee. Back in the early to mid-70s, there was a regional circuit. Okay, Bob Seger was a huge hit in Michigan for yeah, many, many yeah. years before he broke in North America and internationally. Yeah. And Big Star was a, a huge hit in the Memphis area yeah. Yeah. and never broke. Their cult following spreads far and wide, yeah. and uh, they were headed by a singer by the name of Alex Chilton.
0: I know that name. How do I Alex know Alex Child-
1: uh, The Box Tops. The letter. My baby, she wrote me a letter. No way. Now, you know, uh, it was the first time he ever sang into a microphone when he recorded that song. Really? And I think he was 16 or 17 when oh, he did wow. it. wow. Okay. And uh, years later, he formed Big Star. Um, critically acclaimed. Apparently, they were incredible live. Yep. But for whatever reason... It just, know, didn't it, it just didn't It just didn't catch. Hmm. Um yeah, and the song 13 you don't hear songs like this anymore. it's just a, a it's a beautiful song about a, a boy who who's falling in love with a girl <laughs> and wants to walk her home and it's so innocent and, and, and beautiful and delicate and I love it nice. I'm, I'm definitely gonna check that out. I always say that you know doing
0: the show is um, awesome just in terms of discovery. Mm-hmm. right so you hear about songs that like i would have never known about this so i'm definitely going to check that out
1: and another thing about big star is there was a certain pretense about them the band's name was big star oh true true. Yeah. uh their their most popular album was called number one record oh really
0: it sounds like something oasis would do <laughs>
1: <laughs> oasis might not know it but they might owe them a, a little bit <laughs>
0: So, the next song that you've got is uh, by Todd Rundgren, and it's mm-hmm. called I Can't Stop Running. Yeah. Yeah. So, I had somebody on the show, actually, last week, Chris mm-hmm. Long. Okay. Who yeah. had uh, yeah. a Todd Rundgren song on as well. Which one? He had Hello, It's Me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And he claimed that that was actually the best song ever recorded in the history of recorded wow. music. Yeah, wow. Wow! very bold statement.
1: Todd recorded that when he was about 19, played all the instruments on it. Uh-huh. Might be his most famous song. Mm-hmm amazing producer yeah Uh, he produced the band Grand Funk Railroad Hall and Oates but most importantly are you gonna say it? you say it the pursuit of happiness the pursuit of happiness <laughs> that's right that's right i'll tell you a little well it's not a big story but the last not the last time i saw todd but i saw todd on this tour uh from the nearly human album which uh, i can't stop running comes from no way uh, i was just after he had worked with the pursuit of happiness and i saw moberg prior to the show yeah. uh, at roy thompson hall that night so oh, that's uh, cool. you know, now i knew why he was there yeah but uh, no uh, he did uh meatloaf's bad out of hell Ah yes. Yeah. yeah That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And all of Utopia and members of Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band were all over it.
0: No way. Yeah. yeah, huh. yeah, yeah. I would think about that story that he um he thought that he was the father like, of Liv Tyler, correct? Yeah.
1: And Liv thought Todd was her father for in years. In it was. Stephen Tyler. Steven Tyler. Stephen Tyler. That's right. So Todd raised Liv Tyler.
0: Thinking he was her father.
1: Yeah. yeah. Awful. Yeah. It's more common than you think. <laughs>
0: So there are other situations out there that we just don't know about yet. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So your next tune, Mr. Ackley, is by Chris Squire. Yep. And uh, the song is called Hold Out Your Hand.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Chris Squire is a bass player in Yes. Yes. Founding member, he and John Anderson. Uh, Chris was the one that kept things going. Right through until uh, the time he died, what, a year and a half ago? Yeah, recently. You know, and, you know, everybody's talking about 2016 being such a, a bad year for, and you know, Chris passed away in 2015, I think, but regardless, we're getting older, and uh, they're all starting to drop off. Yeah. And I gotta tell you, when I found out Chris passed away, it was just like, oh, jeez. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, incredible bass player, great singer, mm-hmm. great arranger. He played bass like nobody else. Oh, I know his fish out of water album if i had to go on a desert island and take three albums with me yeah. fish out of water is it it's uh it's really? brilliant it's brilliant and uh it, it, there really isn't any guitar parts on it it's all kind of lead bass but mm-hmm. it doesn't get in your way it doesn't uh it doesn't uh it, it's it's not too up front yep. it's not um he's not jerking off okay. he's playing all the right notes yeah and it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful uh, record, and, um, and it's also a, a homage to music experience as a youth, being a choir boy at uh, St. Paul's Cathedral. Ah. And uh, the church organ on this song is from St. Paul's Cathedral. Oh, really? And it's Patrick Moraz oh, wow. on keyboards playing it. So, um, a lot of what he owes, or he owes a lot to his former choir master right um at st paul's cathedral because it uh, had a lot to do with um the sound and direction of this record
0: wow yeah
1: now does he sing on that record oh yeah he sings he's yeah it's all him really oh yeah he uh, he sang all, all the background stuff with yes mm-hmm. there was a lot of uh, parts that were quite up front yep. um, you know if it wasn't john anderson on a yes tune mm-hmm. you know it would be chris yeah yeah great singer great singer
0: i didn't know that yeah uh, when would that album have come out
1: that was 74 75 you yeah, know it's just I'm not going to date myself so I'll just say it was 74 or 75
0: <laughs> what are you like 36 yeah somewhere around there. so yeah,
1: yeah. again, <laughs>
0: again. Yeah. so this next song that you've got I'm very interested in this because I didn't even know it existed oh okay Uh, A song by Mick Taylor called "Giddy Up." Oh yeah, yeah. The first Mick Taylor solo album. So was this after, right after he left the
1: Stones, like seventy three? Is it? When did he leave the Stones? Just after exile, right?
0: Around seventy
1: somewhere. Well, I saw I saw Mick Taylor with the Stones, the Exile tour. Yeah. Ooh, how was that? I wasn't born yet, but (laughs) no, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. It was, uh, you know, it really was uh, the Stones at the the height of their their glory. Yeah. Uh, they were the true bad boys. In fact, that tour was interesting because every every stop on that tour, there were there were riots. Oh, really? And uh they played two shows at Maple Leaf Gardens. It was uh, oh, it was, it was uh, early summer of 1972. Okay. Me and my friends lined up for 8 hours to get tickets for that show. We got back row grace. $4.95 to see the Rolling Stones. Wow. Um Toronto police were very prepared for trouble. Yeah. There were 400 extra police on duty for the Rolling Stones show, and if really? I remember correctly, there was that was the only show on that tour that there wasn't some sort of incident.
0: So, what was it? What was the issue? Like, why were there riots? I
1: don't know. Was it just? A, it was like, just rock and roll rebellion. Thing? Demand rock and roll rebellion. The Stones. I yeah. I don't know. Oh, I don't really, know. Yeah? I remember my father coming down to talk to me in the rec room the day before the show. <laughs> no, I heard what happened in Boston <laughs> last night. <laughs> I don't
0: want you partaking
1: in that. <laughs> yeah. In that and sense. I remember there was uh, trouble during the um, uh, during ticket sales as well. Vancouver, specifically. Really? Yeah. Huh. All this stuff is coming back to me. So, for the 72 tour,
0: yep. um, I believe that Richards was probably at his knee dear in terms of you know, heroin use and stuff like that. Yeah, maybe. And I heard I heard a story, yeah, probably, and yeah, you, know, you, you hear stuff like this all the time, but yeah. the story about somebody going to his house and finding him just kind of, you know, folded up in the corner. Mm. Uh, and so that legendary story comes out that they had to transfuse his entire blood supply to make sure that he was able to tour the
1: record. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I'd, I'd heard that, but I mean... Yeah. It... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, did you ever read that book by Tony Sanchez? Is uh, uh, who was the guy? He was he was kind of like a Shreve. He was like a uh, a go to guy. One of these guys that uh, not a hanger on, but he was uh, an assistant. Oh, and he wrote a book. Oh, what was the book? I read it years ago, and I think that's where we first heard the story that he had to have a transfusion. Oh, really? In Switzerland. And so this is uh, this is actually.
0: Possibly true.
1: If I remember correctly, it was in the book. Wow. Yeah, Yeah, so I don't think it's urban legend.
0: I'd heard that he had to do it twice in typical Keith Richards fashion. So yeah, Keith, probably. Just, so they did it. Yeah. Uh, he got clean. He went on a tour. Hit smack
1: again. Yeah. They had to do it again. <laughs> and, and heroin's a hell of a drug. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable, man. Oh, Stevie Wonder opened up. For... Oh, the Stones okay. that <laughs> night. Yeah, yeah. They did a show at four and eight o'clock. No. Yeah. They did two shows. They did a matinee and an evening show. Why would they do that? Because they did. I don't know. They just did that. They just did it. Yeah.
0: Like how weird is that? Yeah. I mean, now it's weird by today's standards. yes. But like, okay, we have another show at eight. See you then.
1: No encore. No encore. No. I remember Mick, Mick walking behind the stage underneath the golds in the mezzanines, leaving, just walking out, looking tired really you know, with no lights on him i could just see him walking away and i yeah and and everybody knew he wasn't coming back really you know, and even when the house lights came on the the noise continued was this the eight o'clock show this was the early one oh, okay i heard it was the better one too that they were tired for the second show oh really yeah yeah weird that they did two shows one yeah. Day. yeah 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 huh. yeah that's interesting moved down to the greens had to get a little closer yeah yeah Nice. And I smoked my first joint that day. (laughs) It was great. (laughs) And you never looked back. (laughs) 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 That's awesome. Yeah, Stevie Wonder was fantastic, by the way. Yeah. I thought, Stevie Wonder and the Stones? I thought, that's weird. Yeah. That's a weird, that's a weird booking. Like, how's that going to work? It kind of works, though. And, well, Stevie Wonder came out and he rocked it. It was a, it was... It was a real heavy rock show. Yeah, it yeah. was really heavy. I couldn't believe it. And he played for forty minutes, and it was it was searing. Really, uh, searing. Huh? Fantastic. What was what would he have been playing by then in nineteen seventy two? What uh, was "Inner Visions" out at that time? I think he did "Superstition." Yes, nice. I remember him doing for once in my life. Yeah, that was probably halfway through the set. He did a drum solo. Cool. Yeah, it was uh, it was very cool. Very That's cool. awesome. Yeah, and he so was, heavy. He opened both shows.
0: Uh, so sorry, we completely did not talk about "Giddy Up" by Mick Taylor. <laughs> oh
1: yeah, sorry, sorry, we, we lost, we lost course. So anyway, uh, yeah, you know, Mick Taylor brought us, you know, The Stones' rabble rousing, kind of rough around the edges, play out a tune. It doesn't have to be perfect. Yes, I Mick was kind of like the champagne to the beer chaser. He brought a certain elegance. Yes, and and uh, and ease and. You know, he just he just brought a dynamic to the band that they have not had since. Yeah. And it can be argued that their best days when, were when when Mick was in the band. I completely agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I, I would go on record as saying yeah. he the, he's the best guitar player. Yeah, so Giddy Up is the lead-off track. It's an instrumental, a very light, funky, beautifully melodic... a tune that let off his first solo album and uh i think that solo album was deleted about six months after it was released and uh pretty hard to find yeah if you could find it on vinyl somewhere i think it would be worth something yeah and it's a real gem it's a real gem and he's a great singer great singer yeah you won't hear it on this track but yeah but you just let him he just he lets loose on this so tastefully and so beautifully and uh, i just thought i'd tune you in pal
0: no definitely I appreciate that so how many how many records would he have recorded then
1: I gotta tell you it's the only one I know about and it's funny I've seen him a couple of times live since then Mm -hmm. but it it was just different it was different yeah
0: no I'm a I'm a huge McTaylor fan especially stuff on Sticky Fingers was so good
1: oh god well you know the jam on uh, uh, Can't You Hear Me Knockin' I mean that was that was just they just kept on playing
0: so they stopped, actually. He was the only guy playing for a little while. Everybody put their instruments down. Yeah. He kept playing, and then everybody
1: said, oh, okay, well, let's just keep going then. Yeah, well, the percussion, they just kept kind of moving, and then all yeah. of a sudden, everybody looked around the room, and they just kept going. And yeah. that's, that was live off the floor, baby. That is so that's, cool. It's, it's brilliant. And mix playing on there. Yeah. It's fantastic.
0: I see that stuff just does not happen anymore. No. You know? I'm t- no. I'm
1: gradually turning into that
0: guy who shakes his fist and says, times were different back then.
1: You, know I mean? you never want to be that person to sound like your parents. Yes, exactly. But there's a lot of truth to it. It's true. It's a lot of truth to it. It's
0: practically unavoidable when you're talking about music these days. I know Absolutely. I and it's I don't, a different time. I, I don't want to shut my mind off mm-hmm. to things, to yep. new music. But I mean, sometimes it's really difficult.
1: I hear you. Yeah.
0: So, you have got next uh, a tune by Miles Davis called Kinda Blue. Yeah. Excellent
1: tune. Yeah, yeah, Miles. (laughs) The band was pretty good. Um, Jimmy Cobb on drums, a guy named Bill Evans on keyboards, and his sax players were Cannonball Adderley and John Coltrane.
0: John Coltrane.
1: This band was like the first supergroup. And it's a jazz album that's gone quadruple platinum.
0: Yeah. it's. it's I was talking to Joel McIver about this, actually, because he had this, I don't know if he had Kind of Blue, but he had a Miles Davis tune from, uh-huh. from this record. Yeah. And he said it was almost, and I said this in my book, actually, All My Favorite People Are Broken, that it's almost like, it's like a jazz starter kit for people who aren't really
1: sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's very accessible, but arguably the greatest jazz album ever recorded. And one of the greatest albums of all time. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I I think Rolling Stone, um, you know, we have to give Rolling Stone too much credit nowadays, but I think they put it in the top 20 of the greatest albums of all time. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, it's in the uh, library of Congress and it's, um, it's happening. Well respected. Yeah beautiful playing and it's and you know the thing about it is you we're talking about how music is made nowadays mm-hmm. all of this was um, just uh, improvising on chord progressions yeah it's it's a jam and it's also kind of the end of the uh, you know the the, the bebop period yeah you know miles started to started morphing after that so this was the this was the signature of that era yeah and and then things changed after that
0: and he wasn't a terribly sophisticated player and he, and he would be the first guy to tell you that, you know, he said, I don't play complex things because I'm just not able to play complex things. I play things that feel good.
1: Well, I, I think every great musician does that. And yeah. I think every great musician has humility and, uh, that's miles. Um, no miles never overplayed. Yeah. He never overplayed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he let Coltrane do that Yeah, <laughs> and Coltrane could get away with it. Exactly. <laughs> Coltrane had a lot to say. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Miles. Miles did it in short spurts. He, yeah. he was a man of few words musically,
0: which is great. Yeah, I love that.
1: Oh, so many times, it's not it's not uh, what you do; it's what you don't do.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, and just playing the right notes. Not mm-hmm. you know you don't you don't have to play thirty two notes in a measure. Just play the right
1: one. Mm-hmm. You know, so many times I said to a musician that part where you leave the hole blows me away. <laughs> the part where you don't do anything is awesome.
0: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh so next you've got Tomorrow Never Knows by the Beatles.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could talk, you know, we we could do a whole show on the Beatles. I have nothing to add to the conversation other than this is uh, uh was one of the new benchmarks. Yes. And uh consider that it was uh 1966 revolver right yeah yeah yeah, on a four track yes yeah that's super trippy and i think
0: that was kind of their entrance into that psychedelic yeah i was reading about that that they were just starting to get into you know the mysticism of India and all that stuff yeah and i think that one of them and and they were starting to discover lsd at that point too yep Yep. One of them had purchased a book.
1: I think you're talking about the Tibetan Book of the yes. Dead. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think it was Lennon who bought it. Yeah. And then McCartney got into
0: it. And mm-hmm. there's a lyric, turn your mind off and just float downstream or whatever, which is directly mm-hmm. from that book, I believe. Yeah. But yeah, that was kind of their entrance into uh, their psychedelic period.
1: And it's the same key throughout. Yes. Which is and, uh And Ringo is just...
0: Is that in a loop? That that entire drum piece?
1: Uh, it could be. Yeah. I think I've heard that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was the first time that backward um, uh, guitars were used. Yes. Reverse, you know, backward tapes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Ringo is just that—that uh, just driving. Yeah. Yeah. It's relentless, I and mean, he's riding that ride cymbal hard, and you don't hear the stick hitting the cymbal. All you can hear is the cymbal ringing he's riding it hard. Ringo was so good. He's uh very underrated. You know? Yeah, yeah, underappreciated, I think. I mean, well, I think people who say he wasn't that good don't know what they're talking about. If anybody ever says that, I just kind of I will look down my nose In at the conversation. Them.
0: <laughs> 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 yep, sorry. <laughs> I think it was tough for him just because he was in a band with Paul McCartney and John Lennon.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and George Richard. felt that, you know, George was the same way. You yeah. Know? Yeah. But,
0: you know, you think about a song from George's perspective, a song like Something. Yeah. Right? Which is a fantastic song. Yeah. But it was almost like, you know, maybe we'll use it as a B-side compared to, yeah. you know, the Lennon, McCartney stuff. and.
1: Well, George always got the token song on every album. Yes. And I think Ringo did for the most part as well. Well, I th- they they wrote songs for him, like Octopus's yeah. Garden, the, yeah. or, he or he'd do a Carl Perkins song or something. It was just like, okay, here's something for Ringo to do. And Ringo had a nice... Ringo sang nicely. Yeah. He sang well. But uh you ever hear the story about Frank Sinatra? Oh Le- what do you think of Lennon and McCartney? No. Oh yeah, that song something. Oh, it's yeah. <gasps> really <laughs> It is oh. a George tune. You know? <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did Sinatra think that was a Lennon McCartney tune? Yeah.
1: Well, who wouldn't? I mean Oh you know, wow. Yeah.
0: Well, good for good for Harrison then.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although Here Comes a Sun I think is a better song. Yeah, Beautiful I think so, changes too. on it. And, yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, after George died, uh there's uh a recording of Bob Dylan. Uh, he was playing in New York and he, and he and George were friends. They played in the Wilburys. And of course, you know, the Beatles and Bob were, were kind of tight. Yeah. I don't know how many people are too tight with Bob. Yeah. But um, George did a beautiful, tri- or uh, Bob Dylan did a beautiful tribute to George and he sang something. Oh, really? <laughs> but, you know, he can pull it off. Exactly. It you know, George was a great guy. That's you know it was actually, you know, because Bob doesn't talk to the audience too much, but he had to say something about George and he didn't say much, but it was still heartfelt. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. That's, that is very funny. Yeah. <laughs> but I could see just George. George so cool, so mellow, yeah. high. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In a room with Bob. And he was a funny guy too. He and John like to play on words and they just said, well, you know, he, he worked with Monty Python. He, 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 um, George funded, he was executive producer of a lot of those movies. I think Well, it was Life of Brian. Yeah. I didn't know that. And I think more than that. Yeah. Yeah. George produced a lot of movies. Yeah. 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 Sorry. I don't have it all in my head, but, uh, he did Life of Brian. I didn't know that. Yeah. And, uh, what was the other one? Oh, well, there was lots, but no, got one. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. There was one Monty Python movie that I, uh, that was, uh, oh, with, the, with the scene with the, the fat guy who was oh, yeah, stuffing yeah. his face. Which one was that? Um, get Me the Bucket. <laughs> <laughs> right? I think he did that one as get well. Get Me the Bucket. Yeah. I can't yeah, remember. Yeah. What is the name of that? I don't know. Uh, I can't remember. It wasn't one of their biggest
0: ones. No. No, those guys definitely had a sense of humor. I remember when the the Beatles first came uh, to North America, and they were doing all the you know all the uh, interviews and stuff. And, you
1: seriously remember yeah. that?
0: Well, I remember watching that. Okay, that's a good point. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching that on TV. Monday,
1: mm-hmm. many many years mm-hmm, later, yeah, yeah. the old telefilms, <laughs> the newsreels. They're online, you know. It's microfiche. <laughs> I went to the library. <laughs> oh, You go to the library? <laughs> hmm.
0: So, they're talking to John Lennon, and they said, uh, you know, you're a talented guy, whatever. Is there a performance history in your family? And he says, well, me dad always said me mom was a great performer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next tune. Yeah. Is by Frank Zappa. Oh, Frank. And it is not... Why does it hurt when
1: I pee? It is mm-hmm. in fact Inca roads. Inca roads. Yeah, yes. yeah. I wish Frank was still alive right now. Yeah, he would be having so much fun with the internet and the political discourse going on in the United States. And I would, I would suggest to you, with this great populist wave, that Frank Zappa could have been the president of the United States right now. Wow.
0: Yeah. You know, I can see that, actually.
1: Mm -hmm. And Frank can uh, articulate a message uh, with much more class Mm -hmm. and depth than the current U.S. president. And we won't get into that any further, that's all. Uh, But I love Frank. I love Frank. Love, love, love. I miss him terribly. Inca Rhodes, one of those tunes, uh, uh, you know, I I don't know what I can add add to this, other than that uh, the guitar solo in this song is... um, some of the greatest moments ever recorded. Really? Um, and the interplay between Chester Thompson and Tom Fowler, the bass player, is unreal. Mm-hmm. And getting back to the what we were talking about, how moments, you know, it's not cut and paste. It's guys listening to each other and playing. Yeah. Now, the uh, actual rhythm parts were recorded live uh, in front of an audience in somewhere in europe i forget i don't have the liner liner notes in front of me and sorry if i'm slurring but i'm drinking beer <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, <we> <laughs> and i'm allowed Absolutely um allow. and uh and then frank uh laid the guitar solo down at a later date okay and uh he's obviously listening to uh fowler and chester as well because they're all playing off of each other yeah and it's brilliant it's just brilliant and then they just um they take it out with George Duke doing a marvelous keyboard solo in this crazy vamp in 7-4, I think. Uh, it's just one of my favorite pieces of all time.
0: What record was that from?
1: Uh, it's from uh, Overnight Sensation. Okay. And this would be another one that I'd take on a desert island really, with yeah. me. Yeah, 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 for sure.
0: So you're the second guest that I've had on the show who swears by Frank Zappa. I know mm-hmm. nothing about Frank oh. Zappa. And oh! I'm kind of... Well, that's okay.
1: That's okay. You can, you can (laughs) fill that trough. (laughs) That's a big trough to fill. Well, he was incredibly prolific and it's, it's incredible to hear his, um, the growth over the years. There's, um, They've done a really good job of curating his material, the family has. And there's uh, some really good releases on Ryko Disc. Um, uh, is it the Lost Garage Tapes? And it's a chronological journey from his early days as a rhythm and blues performer mm. to his crazy uh, symphonic opuses. Yeah. And that lend to John Cage and e- Igor Stravinsky and, and Edgar Varese, who was one of his greatest inspirations. You know, here, here's a guy that, um, that loved uh, Johnny Guitar Watson mm-hmm. and uh, loved duop, wop yeah. but he also loved the avant-garde composers. Mm-hmm. And he considered himself a composer. And uh, that's what he was first and foremost. Uh, but he did it within a rock framework. Okay. And uh, he was the greatest of all time. Some of the best shows I ever saw, too, were Frankie. He was a blistering guitar player. He was so good. Yeah. He shredded before anybody ever used the term shredding. He shreds on this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That
1: was just a commercial for Frank Zappa. Oh, okay. That
0: completely interests me, and I want want to hear it for sure. Okay. I know a little, I shouldn't say I don't know Frank Zappa. I I know Jam at Joe's Garage. Yeah. Yeah. Just the kind of the preliminary stuff or the stuff that's the most accessible.
1: All he did was write and record. That's all he did. Mm -hmm. He lived in his studio. Yeah. He never saw sunshine. He lived on coffee and hot dogs. (laughs) Hot dogs. (laughs) No, he did. And Marlboros. I bet. Yeah. 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 That's all he did. Wow. And and playing was a hassle to him because he had to rehearse a band. He had to pay the band, and then he had to go through the the turmoil of you know the business dealings of taking a band on the road, and the politics of having a band. And then all of a sudden, new technology came into play, this enclavier. And so he decided, oh, I don't need musicians anymore. I can just, I can just program my music. Yeah. And he won a Grammy Award for an album called Jazz from Hell, which was, com- it was just a computer playing his notes. Really? And he used to say, well, yeah, if I want a trumpet player to blow a note for three minutes, I can have the machine do it. I mean, I'm sure he recognized the limitations Yeah. after a little while. Now, did
0: he actually accept that Grammy? he doesn't seem like the type of guy that would actually be I of that.
1: I don't know, I don't know, I
0: Probably not. And you have got your last tune, Mr. Ackley, you have got... We're almost uh, done? We're almost done.
1: That means we're going to go have I? some bolognese in a little while? We are. All right.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> hey, if you want to keep talking about music, we can do that <laughs> no, too. we can do
1: that too, sure. Uh,
0: you have got, is it? Is it Taste
1: by Fish? Yeah,
0: Taste. See, the reason why I ask if it's Taste, because yeah. they have a song called Waste too, don't they?
1: Is that what it's called? If so is it on Billy Breeds? <laughs> uh, taste is on uh, Billy Breeds, and yes. So what is this? Wasting my time with you, and I forget oh. the name of it. You know what? I'm not. I don't sit around with liner notes like I used to. <laughs> I don't.
0: This is funny because yeah. I was. I was actually. Yeah. I was preparing this, and I thought, wow, wouldn't that be weird if they had a song called Taste and a song called Yeah,
1: and I'm just trying to think if if that's on Billy (laughs) Breathes, and I think it is. I think it It, is. It's the first uh, Fish album that I got turned on to. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and I just remember the, the lead-off track. Oh, 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 Free. Yes. And I just remember from the minute the band kicked in, I went, oh, yeah, these guys are for me. I just loved it. And the album from top to bottom is just a beautiful little um, textural journey. When I was a kid, this is hilarious. If I, if I, had I studied to be a musician, Uh my band would have been Fish. The okay. band I had, because when I was 13, 14, 15 years old, I played drums and, you know, you play guitar and stuff like that. Yeah. We all wanted to be rock stars. Yes. And I always wanted to have a band that could rock out, but could also play jazz and yeah. had elements of classical music and an American roots music, you know, blues and folk and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. And that's what these guys do. They're very tapped into American roots. Yeah. But they have such a unique voice and they make great records but their um their place is the stage because they take the the songs they record on the records and they jam them out. Yeah. And sometimes it's not all that great. Yeah. But when they but when they're on the mark it's bliss. It's a beautiful thing
0: almost in a grateful dead way right
1: yeah yeah i like them a lot better than the grateful dead Mm -hmm. i found the grateful dead sloppy and lazy sounding yeah and i don't mean to 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 besmirch the grateful dead because uh, they had a great career and actually trey did those grateful dead shows with them in chicago and a couple of years ago and they were great shows but i thought trey brought a life to them that they didn't have before i just i just found them kind of sloppy I, I, I never got the dead. No, neither you know. did I. Yeah, yeah. yeah Although Terrap- I love Terrapin Station, and Fish have done Terrapin Station live a few times. Oh, is that right? Yeah, they, they sometimes do classic albums, typically on Halloween. Yeah. They, they like to pull stuff out of their hat. They've uh, you know done the White Album. and Oh, really? Yeah? And uh, Remain in Light, The Talking Heads, and, and other classic albums that, as covers. Oh, that's cool. And a large part of their repertoire is cover versions, too, which is kind of cool. Wow. Which, I had no idea. You know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I uh, I heard that song, Waste, I
0: believe, back in '97 for the first time.
1: That's when the album came out.
0: Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, it just, I was taken with it immediately. It was one of those songs, oh, great. you know, that uh, as soon as you hear it, you just want to hear it again 42 more oh, times. Oh, nice, nice. You know? yeah, nice. I absolutely loved it. I have the album here, actually. Oh, you do? Yeah.
1: Great. Yeah. Oh, cool. Do you ever front to back?
0: Uh, yes. Okay. Actually, yeah, I like it quite a lot. Yeah, it's great. So uh, we're at the end of your list. Do you want to talk about anything else? No,
1: no. Ask me a question.
0: (laughs) I have. Wow. (laughs) I have you at my mercy here. Look at. (laughs) (laughs) I would not do that. Okay. You wouldn't ask me a question? I have a lot of questions for you, but I probably wouldn't ask them on the air. Why not? Well, just because people don't need to know about the questions that I ask you.
1: When have you ever asked me anything that's objectionable?
0: <laughs> you're my little brother. That's a very good point. Very good point. Um, who is your...
1: You're probably going to say I don't have one, but who who would be your, your favorite recording artist of all time? I would have to say the Beatles by default. Uh-huh. Big Jethro Tull fan. Yep. Love Jethro Tull. Love Yes. Love Fish. Yep. Love Frank Zappa. Love Todd Rundgren. Here's a better question for you. Okay,
0: who is a band
1: that you should like but you don't? The band. Really? Yeah. See, I don't like them either. Yeah, and never just, just they just didn't do it for. Me. Have you read testimony? No. The Robbie Robertson biography? No. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's fabulous. Really? It's fabulous, and it's because we're from Toronto. Well, you know, I'm from Toronto, but but you live in the GTA now. Yeah. Um, it's it's like. Talking about the old days on Young Street when oh, really? the Friars, Le Coq d'Or, the Blue Note—you yeah. know—Young Street at a time was was nothing but music, you know, country, rhythm and blues, and jazz, and it was a great music center. You know, yeah, sure, the sidewalks rolled up at uh, at six o'clock, but uh, Young Street was alive and it was a it was a brilliant brilliant scene it was a little before my time i wish i was around at that time yeah. and he brings that back to life again and it's really really great and he also you know it's um it was uh it's 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 a story about a time when you know bands were out on the road 50 weeks a year and uh there was um a real appetite for live music and there were clubs on every corner mm mm-hmm. mhm and so they went out and they really cut their teeth. you know it doesn't you you look at again, we're getting back to this, say. you know, yeah. but it and it's only because it's a different time. It's yeah. just a completely different geography now, yes, and that's okay, but uh, a lot of the live acts that you see now did not put their ten thousand hours in. I that's mean right. the beatles, the Beatles, before they went back to the cavern club and met um oh the the manager, what's his name uh oh, sorry, uh before they met.
0: I want to say Brian Epstein. Brian Epstein. Sorry. Yeah.
1: Yeah, here we are. <laughs> Before they met Brian Epstein, they had been working in, in Hamburg yeah. in the Reeperbahn seven days a week, yeah. you know, doing four or five sets a night.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Honing their craft. Yeah. Right? And, uh, and, and they were barely out of their late teens. Yeah. You don't see that anymore. No, it doesn't know. exist. No. There's no. And again, we're no. going to be the old man shaking our fists, but yeah, it's like yeah. American Idol
0: is like a a machine that just fabricates superstardom and it's, it's so artificial.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And just so, you know, not substantial in my opinion for that reason alone.
1: There's no depth to it. No depth. But you know, the band was one of those groups, but you don't like the band's music. It doesn't matter. Yeah. No, you can't you can't deny the band's legacy. Oh, there's no question. Yeah. 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 And it has a bit of a local flavor to it too. You know, there's lots of Ronnie Hawkins. And, yes. And, oh. you, know. <laughs> <laughs> you sure are a handsome fella. Come on in. <laughs> I play places you got you had to slash your wrists and puke before they let you in the front door. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Man, one of the great characters. One of the great, <laughs> And you know, yeah, I'm going to the promised land. You know, that guy left uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas to come to Toronto Yes, in 1960. Fayetteville, Arkansas. Yeah. He's going to Toronto? What?
0: Why? It's the promised why? land. Why did he ever do that? I was you know, confused I'm, by that.
1: I'd have to ask him that sometime. I, I don't know. I don't know what the story is. I, I forget. Uh, I didn't retain it, whatever no it was.
0: Partly to your point, I think that, uh, was there a, a burgeoning scene? I, I didn't know it was on Young. I knew there was something yeah. going on Queen.
1: Yeah. Well, no, no It wasn't it was like, on... you
0: know, Hyde Asprey or anything of that magnitude.
1: It was It was a different thing. It was tougher. It was kind of mean. Yeah. And it was like Toronto was an R&B town. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So
0: who, and Yorkville.
1: Mm-hmm. Had a bit of a scene. Like Yorkville. That well, Mitchell. Yorkville. You know, Yorkville was the folky, hippie yeah. thing. Young Street was the the grifters, the really? the criminals. Yorkville was the hippies and the yeah. love crowd. Yeah, it was very different, very different, and it, and it evolved a little bit later. Yeah. And New Yorkville was just coffee houses. None of That's those right. places were licensed.
0: And that you was know? more of a Hyde Asbury kind of San Francisco vibe, I think. Yeah,
1: yeah. It was a little bit copycat, too. Yeah. So, and then, you know, of course, Neil Young came out of there and John Kay, and Steppenwolf. And, yep. yeah, I mean, just uh, everything, you know, a whole different, Joni Mitchell. Yes, Joni Mitchell. I'm sure I'm missing a few more. Rick James.
0: Come on. James. Like Super Freak Rick James?
1: Yeah, Super Freak Rick. Yeah, the Minor Birds. He played in uh, the Minor Birds with Neil Young. He was a draft dodger from Buffalo. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. I never knew it was funny when was, I was in high school and I was in uh, Quebec City. Uh-huh. And uh we were skiing uh, Mount St. Anne, and we used to drive into Quebec City at night. And I forget the name of the club, the Electric Circus, or the Electric... I think it was the Electric Circle, because there was a dance floor that was a circle that was all lit up. Okay. And there was this guy, Rick James and the Hot Licks. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, they were like so good. They were incredible. I'd never Funk. seen anything like it in my life. And of course, in those days... When you're 16 years old, you can get in anywhere. No, you know they didn't check Quebec. ideas, especially in Quebec yeah. City. So we're a living, we're a living large. <laughs> <You know? laughs> we're away from home <laughs> in a Volkswagen station wagon, driving into <laughs> Quebec City every night <laughs> from <laughs> Sainte Anne de Beaupré, and uh, and uh, uh, we went on a Monday night, and Rick James and the Hot Licks. I was blown away. I'd never seen anything like it before. And Rick was yeah. blacker than black in those days. Yeah. And wearing a white tuxedo. Really? And he told the audience, we don't take requests, so just fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he was such a badass. And they were so good. Yeah. And so he's standing at the end of the bar between sets and of course I'm loaded on Laurentide. Yeah. And I'm Lauren seventeen T'd. years old or whatever. Yeah. And I walked up to him and I said, I think you guys are you guys are fantastic. And he looked at me and told me to fuck off. <laughs> are you kidding? No, no, no. He's he's in a big white brimmed hat, you know, white tuxedo. Just pimped right out. Get out of my face! (laughs) 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 Uh, What a dick! (laughs) 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 Uh, Yeah, man. He he just couldn't give me my moment. They did an instrumental called Blackula really oh man it was just killer killer yeah we had a bass player some white guy was the funkiest white guy i ever saw in my life of course in those days i didn't know what funky was but oh man that guy could just slap it they were so good (laughs) they were so good (laughs) man um just now now i'm starting to remember that stuff yeah it's cool that's hilarious well you know you have been by far
0: my most informative guest on in this show I have not you have indeed don't do that to me I appreciate all of the wisdom that you've imparted upon it's me not, no it's just anecdotes
1: <laughs> <laughs> Rick James told you to fuck off yeah. yeah he might have called me a white motherfucker too I don't know <laughs> but then again oh uh,
0: uh, yeah alright man let's mm-hmm. go get some food yeah let's nice. go eat Okay, so this is uh, Brent Jensen, and you're listening to No Sleep Till Sudbury with my special guest, Mr. Lee Ackley. Until next
1: time. Thank you, Brent. We're out. Thank you. Brent Jensen is the best-selling author of No Sleep Till Sudbury, Leftover People and All My Favorite People Are Broken. All titles available in stores and on Amazon worldwide.